Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted. I want to give you an edge, a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. It's often the little things, small behaviors, that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. If you're not worried about destroying your finances and or retirement planning, you should be. James, it's been quite a long time since we've recorded one of these, and I've missed it. You've been a busy, busy little beaver. What have I been seeing you doing or not doing? And you're not in the office lately. Well, uh, thanks for that lovely introduction. Uh, yes, I have been a, a busy bird, busy bee, busy beaver, whatever bees we want to use there. I've been uh, preparing and fortunately successfully preparing at the CFP designation. So happy to report that exam is behind myself and uh, these last couple of months have been nothing but fun, but it's uh, an accomplishment nonetheless. So uh, thanks for that, uh, that thought. Studying for the CFP was fun. Is that what you say? It's been nothing but fun. Absolutely. Well, I do want to say congratulations. I mean, I know I said it after you passed, but it's quite an accomplishment. For those who don't know, uh, the CFP stands for Certified Financial Planner. It's something that I received in 1996. Yes, I'm dating myself, and uh, James has been studying for it uh, for a while now, and it's it's kind of like a master's in our industry. It helps people provide financial services on another level in a deeper way, and uh, we're super proud of James uh, getting that, as well as Nate Bosick, who's our advisor in Minnesota. He took it a couple of days after James. James passed it on Friday. And then I was like, oh, geez, poor Nate. He has to take his on Monday, and I sure hope he passes it because you found out right away, right? You do. Yes, congrats, Nate. That's, that's a wonderful accomplishment, I think, for the both of us to have that behind us. And you do find out right away, which is really good to hear. You know, we don't have to sweat it like we did before. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just great, uh, you know, for, for the firm and, uh, and you guys just being able to help clients even more. Um, and hopefully it'll provide some stories uh, in our podcast from James because he's so much smarter now. Will it ever? I was just going to say I feel that much smarter. Well, let's uh, move on to uh, what's next, which is uh, a great time of year. This is one of my favorite times of year for a number of reasons, but primarily, maybe not primarily, but also you know because of sports. So James and I have a shared desire for what's going to happen here in March Madness, though mine was divided, James. What, what are we talking about? I'm, I'm still not happy with you about that. But So Ed had, Ed's son goes to U of I, University of Illinois, and at the time we were recording that, uh, recording this podcast, that game has been behind us. So hopefully when, when everyone else listens to this, we'll have some, some better news along those lines. Nonetheless... Uh, Ed's son goes to U of I, and Ed and myself, as many of you know, went we're, to Loyola. Yeah, alums from Loyola University, the Ramblers. The Ramblers. We're rambling along, which, by the way, a quick short story on what a Rambler is. Uh, I, I have no idea. What is it? Not many people know what a Rambler is. So everyone thought, oh, it's a rodent, which if you look up definition, Google, what a Rambler is, the first thing that, that we think of is a rodent. So is our mascot a rodent? It is not. 
What a rambler was, according to when Loyola had this, is a rambler is a person who was rambling around. They were nomadic. Back in, I think it was the 30s or 40s, don't quote me on that, but around that time, the Loyola University was not a campus. And so the students had various buildings all across Chicago. Hmm. And they were rambling around to their classrooms, so hence ramblers. Oh, that's in very interesting. Fun so, fact of the day. So the Ramblers uh, were a solid team all year. The University of Illinois team, where my son goes, uh, they were ranked second going into the tournament. And I think the Ramblers would have been ranked in the 20s or 30s or something like that. So there's a disparity. And uh, when they played, what happened was James texted me and I said, and, you know, I begrudgingly have Well, to I texted say you and I asked you a serious question. I said, so who are you going to root for? And, and I said the Illini. And the reason was because my son goes there, but also I was playing the odds in reality. What happened was I knew that Illinois has a much, much higher chance of winning the whole thing than Loyola. So I lost faith. And I, you know, I am sorry. Well, here's the last thought on odds is as of today... We are recording this on Tuesday. What day is today? Tuesday the uh, 23rd. Yeah. Uh, Loyola has the third best odds to win the title right really? now. Really? No kidding. According to Las Vegas, which that's a little bit sort of supply and huh. demand. I won't get into that, but we have the third best odds to win the title of all things right now. Well, People big picture, faith. when we think about odds, no one, we're not encouraging betting in any way because we're financial planners and we'd rather have you invest the money in the stock market. You're going to do a lot better. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So exactly. Let's get on to what we're talking about today, which is kind of crazy. Some of the stuff that uh, I said earlier in the, in the topic for this, but the reason why we wanted to have this podcast today is to help educate you about you and about what kind of choices you make about money, about finances, your instincts, your instinctive behavior. Why do you do what you do? If you're married or you have a partner or whatever, you actually look at money very differently than your partner. You look at money that differently than even the than your siblings when you grew up. Why do you do what you do? We wanted to help you kind of peel back the onion on that to think about that and understand that if you can know this, understand this, it'll help you with all of these financial, these retirement, these financial planning decisions going forward, because, you know, I was exaggerating, obviously, but in some ways not, that, you know, some people we have seen have destroyed kind of their retirement planning, their financial planning. I mean, I can think of people that I know who have a third or only half of the money that they would have had because of some of these instinctive behaviors that they just couldn't, they didn't get help on, and they made choices in very poor ways that really, really put them behind the eight ball. And what we want to do is help you understand that so going forward, you can avoid that. It's not that your instinctive behavior is wrong or bad in any way. It's fine. You just got to understand it better. Exactly. Yes. I think it's a big topic for us. And so this podcast, we're going to talk through what are these behaviors? There's categories, and we're going to help you understand who you are. And then furthermore, as we move forward in a couple extra series here, we're going to talk through what they mean and some holes to avoid depending on what you are. So the, the first analogy that as we talk through, think about this for yourself. 
So you are wanting to travel on water. And you're thinking through, how do I get to that travel on water? How do I get through the water? Do I want to take a pontoon boat, hang out with my family, relax, have a beer perhaps? Do I want to go on a jet ski and, and have the most fun and ride those waves? Or, oh my gosh, why are you talking to me about water? I don't want to get in the water at all. Those are three questions. You only have those three to answer. There's no other alternatives. Uh, you'll understand what we mean by that in a minute. So let's shift gears. What we'd like to do is just tell you, you know, a couple stories of, you know, I've been around, you know, a lot longer. I, the first story I wanted to talk about was this story of, uh, so we've, I've been through three now kind of bear markets where the stock market really struggled. Um, the first one started in the year 2000. So we're now 21 years away when that started. But what happened was I was helping people invest money, making choices in the, throughout the 90s. And then in the late 90s, what started picking up, the steam that picked up in the late 90s was technology stocks. Technology stocks up until the late 90s never were, were really uh, that popular. Uh, and what happened was that's when, truthfully, a lot of these big name technology companies uh, that we see now had kind of come up, come about then. You know, there were, there were all different types. And what happened was the world kind of started seeing technology was gaining momentum. So these stocks started going up and up and up, even though the companies were making no money and it, they were riding high. And what happened was I remember in 1999, if mutual funds were owning technology stocks, the more technology stocks they had, the, the much, much bigger returns they had. So we had some, when I was at Fidelity, Fidelity Investments had some funds that were up 60, 80, 100% in one year. And they were supposedly diversified um, mutual funds but in hindsight, really weren't. And the reason is because they had focused a tremendous amount of all the money in there in these technology companies. In fact, there were like, there was a fund called the Internet Fund. There were technology funds that I we even saw up 150% that year. And so people were coming in. They were putting lots and lots of money in these investments. A lot of clients were putting more and more of their money in these investments. And then the bubble popped. And in March of 2000, the technology bubble popped and it spiraled and it spiraled and it spiraled for a course of three years. These technology type of investments were down 70 to 80%. And if you do the math, those kind of investments don't come back for a very, very, very long time. And so what happened was I specifically had this one client who uh, had focused a lot of um, his uh, investments in these and once it started dropping, I started talking to him about, do we want to make sure we want to have all of a lot of your investments in this? He said, I just want to hold on until it comes back. I just want to hold on until it comes back. And so what I did was I couldn't get him to get off of this thinking about he was paralyzed and he just wanted to wait for it to, to come back. And that's okay if you have it in the right kind of investments, meaning if they're diversified investments. But remember, this was a subset of the stock market just in one specific area. And so what I said to him was, I couldn't get him to, to get off of this. So what I said was, all right, I came to him, I called him up another time because I had numerous conversations about trying to change course. And I said, all right, let's say, because he, he, he had, I said, I figured out the dollar amount that he had. Let's just say it was a, a million dollars he had. And I said, let's say you have another million dollars to invest. If you don't want to get out of these investments, then let's put another million dollars in these same investments. He's like, no way. Why would I do that? Why would I, why would I put it in these investments that have lost so much money? And I said, well, that's what you're doing. You have, you have a million dollars in these investments. 
and and you have and you're not selling it. You don't think it's a good investment, but you're holding on. And this is a particular kind of this mindset that I don't necessarily think it's a good investment, but I got to wait for it to come back. And just that reason unto itself is a horrible reason to hold on to an investment. It's this kind of casino mentality, isn't it? Yeah, you're you're married to your decision and you don't want to be wrong. And so whatever it takes to not be wrong, I'm going to wait for it to come back. The casino example is 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 so perfect and unfortunately perfect for this this story and the stock market by the way is not a casino. Uh, it is much much better. But you think about a person at the casino who has lost some money and they're still gambling and you talk to them and they say nine times out of 10, here's their answer is I just want to get back to even and then I'm okay. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to lose. And so I'm going to be married to whatever decision I'm making. You know, another example I, I can think of, I was two years into the industry and I was a stockbroker at the time was my title. And so I was helping people trade and that was it. The extent of the relationship, I was helping people trade. And a gentleman came in with a cashier's check, I kid you not, for $400,000, and he wanted to buy one stock. Now, he could be worth $40 million for all I know, but still a chunk of money to put in one investment. Likelihood is low that he was worth that. It was Likelihood was it was a good chunk of his money. Agreed. Completely agree. And he put it in the one stock. It was about $9 a share at the time. And uh, sure enough, a couple weeks later, it was at $2.22 a share. Wow. And what did he do? The only reason I found out about this. So that's a 75% loss right there. 75% loss. Well, the guy thinks, oh, dollar cost average. And so he says, I'm going to bring in a check for $800,000. And I'm going to put all that money in the stock at $2.22 a share. And his rationalization, his illogical rationalization is, I'm going to have a dollar cost average down. When in reality, he's now going to $1.2 thrown into one investment. And sure enough, a couple months later, the stock was a penny stock. So case in point, we make these emotional decisions with our money for fear of not being wrong, not being wrong and it, it gets in our way from actually building the wealth that we want to build. Well, and he was, uh, there was another element. I've seen this happen uh, with other clients with certain dollar amounts of money, sometimes way too much. And what they do is they become convinced, they convince themselves that this is they that they have some kind of special insight and that this will explode. They really look at it as like a lottery ticket, but they believe that this is a special lottery ticket that it's going to very 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 high chance that I'm going to win the lottery. That's what happens. And it almost really rarely happens. And so it's unfortunately we've seen that happen too much and all logic gets thrown out the window that we want to be right, therefore we must be right. And so it doesn't apply to, you know, we're giving these uh, big picture dollar examples. It can apply to a $100 investment. It's the same concept. It's the behavior we're talking through. All right. So what, what we've been talking about is kind of this concept of math versus emotion. People will make decisions on emotions a lot. And uh, a couple of the most popular ones are, we've heard of this acronym, it's being it's being used more often in society now, but the acronym of FOMO, fear of missing out. And we see this in the investment community on people really, really wanting to get into a stock, like that story you just said, or feel like Bitcoin's a big one. Um, I'm not making any kind of statement one way or the other on Bitcoin, but we are hearing 
clients asking You're welcome, us. compliance officer, on that comment, by the way. <laughs> we are hearing more and more and more clients asking about Bitcoin, wanting to get in because they see it skyrocketing. People making incredible amounts of money, and they don't want to miss out on that one area. People are, you know, just there's many, many stories. The other one, the one acronym, uh, F-O-L-E, Foley or Fole, whatever you want, fear of losing everything. This is the other extreme sometimes where it's wanting, afraid that you're going to lose, so therefore you don't play the game. Money sits in cash. Money sits in CDs. You know, I have seen this historically with a friend of mine's dad. He uh, historically invested in CDs his whole life. When I got in the business, if he would have put a little bit in the stock market, it would have that money would have dwarfed what he's kept in CDs. He he was he was part of the depression era. You know, he's still alive, and I totally understand. But he was uneducated, and therefore he was afraid of losing everything. Even though the stock market broadly diversified, the odds are so incredible. That's where the math comes in. Um, I have this chart that we show clients that shows the odds of winning in various casino games. Because people will always be like, you know what? Um, it's like playing the casino, isn't the stock market? You know, kind of like playing. The if you play like, if you put money in like us, one stock, yes. But if you put money in the diversified basket of stocks. Or you want to be a day trader, yeah, go to the casino. Yeah, day trading is like going to the casino. I mean, the odds of winning Keno, I don't even know what Keno is, but <laughs> the odds of winning Keno is 23%. But, you know, people know what blackjack is. So don't play is. Keno? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I better not be playing. I don't even know what it is. But uh, blackjack, it's not even a 50% chance you're going to win at blackjack. If you're good at blackjack, it's 48% chance. If you play the slots, you are only got a 40% chance. So that is completely different than investing in the S&P 500, 500 biggest companies in the United States, broad diversified basket. Listen to this. Many people don't know this. The average percentage of positive returns just in one year of the stock market, is 75%. That means three out of four times, if you put your money in, you're going to have more money 75% of the time. It's going to be positive. Now, certain periods of time, that's not the case. But let's bump that up to five years. In five years, if you invest in that, in that index of the S&P 500, 87% of the time, your money, you're going to make be positive. So if I put money in the market, big picture, diversified market and I take a nap and I wake up five years later, there's a, what'd you say? 87? 87% of the time. I will be having more money than when I put it in. Yeah, that's right. And like now it's, so let's, anybody who's out there in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, even if you're retired or near retirement, some of your money you're going to need 15 years later. Okay. 99.8% of the time, the stock market is positive in 15 years or later. So we'll even see that now where people are like, oh, I think the market's high. Maybe we should get out. Maybe we should get some of it out. Well, you know what? Some of this money you're going to be investing for a long period of time. Timing it, we all know it's impossible to time. But I just want to say the math says a broadly diversified basket of investments is going to historically be very, very good for you. It's just not sexy. You just can't make it super fast. And that's where the math comes in versus this these emotions. When you do the FOMO or Foley, it really hurts you. So with myself being a father now, I think back to this child story. It's a very common trial, might be the best word. It's, it's a Some research on a trial or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a study done. 
And if you're curious about it after I explain it and you want to learn more, uh, just go to YouTube and search Marshmallow Story. Sounds weird, I know. But it, it's 100% true, and I think it applies to what we're talking about here in, in a lot of different ways. Again, we're talking about behaviors, right? And so what the, the study does is they took children around five, six, seven years old, and they sat them in a room, and they each had their own room, and no one was bothering them. No one was around them, distracting them, whatever the case may be. Here was the challenge to these children, is they gave them one marshmallow, and they said, I want you to sit here in this room, and if you don't eat that marshmallow for 10 minutes, you get another marshmallow, and you'll have two marshmallows. And that's all you have to do is just don't eat it for 10 minutes. It's that delayed gratification versus instant gratification, right? You got to wait 10 minutes, you'll get two. If you don't, you'll have one. And you'll have that right away. So and I'm sure all the kids waited, right? Uh, exactly the opposite. <laughs> so I don't know the numbers. Again, the YouTube clip will tell you, but uh, definitely more than half of these children eat the marshmallow. Yeah, right I away. think it's much higher than that. I can't remember the exact statistics, but it it is, uh, and it, it 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 that's a that's a really good story about we want our marshmallow now. We want our marshmallow now. I mean, the, the, the perfect example, too, to th speaking of statistics, is there's the rule of 72. It's a common rule. Many of you have heard of it in the investment world. If you average, say, 7.2% a year and you put your money in, in 10 years, your money will double in value. So in that example, we just multiply that 7.2 times 10, which equals 72. There's a way to figure out how often you can double your money. You just divide it by 72. So another, another multiplication is nine times seven. So if you want to double your money in eight years, you, multi you, you get a 9% rate of return. If you want to double your money in nine years, you get an 8% rate of return, et cetera, et cetera. So, hey, time is on your side. That's, that's my takeaway is, is be patient, invest the money. It's not like a casino. Don't let your emotions get in the way. The last main thing we wanted to touch on this particular episode, which will help us go into the next ones, is your money mind. Everything we've been talking about is how your mind works when it comes to money. There's really three main ways that people have and think about money. And what we want to do is introduce those ways to you, give you a brief, brief explanation, introduce those to you and give you a brief, brief explanation of those. Furthermore, we are going to post a link on our website for all of you listening to take your own money mind and truly understand who you are, how you think about money, and what it actually means. And so as we talk through a couple of the next episodes, there are good and bad about every single money mind. You are who you are. There's no right or wrong answer. Can't stress that enough. But first, uh, let's get into what they are. So the first one is called protection money mind. The protection money mind is motivated by fear, and as such, they tend to value security and peace of mind. So protection money mind, security and peace of mind. Got it. Uh, happiness money mind, number two. These individuals tend to prioritize enjoyment and may fear missing out. Sound familiar? Yeah, I think all of us have a little bit of that in us and some of us have more and we know of other people that do too. The third and last one is the commitment money mind, which tends to derive joy from giving and may fear letting others down. So all of these are 
great money minds. They're just who you are. You, you may even be a combination, and you probably are, of some of these. So in essence, there are three. There's protection, happiness, and commitment. And what we have done is we posted this online on our website. And uh, there's a questionnaire when you click on the link. You fill out some questions. Based on your answers to those questions, you'll receive a score, a percentage on where you fall in each of these categories. And you might be all one. You might be a blended. It frankly doesn't matter. It's more about understanding who you are. Last tip coming from personal experience, myself taking this and my wife, is don't take too much time answering the questions. Go with your gut. That's where your money mind truly is. Yeah, that's good stuff. So uh, we we are starting to use this ourselves. This historically we've been known about these money minds. You know, I have been uh, working with clients for a long time, but this one company that we now are connected to called FinLife Partners, they're the ones who have helped us kind of put it together. They put it together, and now we're using it. And so they're the ones who provide it, allow us to use it. And so feel free to definitely go online, figure out what your own is. It'll help you understand yourself a little bit better. And uh, the future podcasts, we're going to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to dig into each one. There's some holes, there's some positives all in between that we'll talk through as you understand who you are, what that actually means. So I think enough said about, about Money Mind right now. We highly, highly encourage you to take it yourself. To conclude today, Ed. What about water? Uh, what about water? What about boats and jet skis? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so uh, going back to the original point I had made on boats, right? So we, we've got the three Money Mind. We had the three choices on traveling on water. Choice number one was the pontoon boat. That relates to a commitment money mind. You enjoy spending time with family, relaxing, and uh, giving to others. The jet ski, the fun one, right? That is the happiness money mind. We want to have a thrill ride. It's all about the, the next big thing. And the protection money mind, we're scared of the water. I do not want to drown. I'm protecting myself at all costs. Staying on shore. <laughs> Staying on shore. I'm at the beach. That's it. I'm not even dipping I'm my foot in the water. I'm not even getting close to the water. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not mine. So there you have it. Those are the three. Well, that leads us to what many believe is the best part of this podcast, Ed's Food for Thought. And this food for thought, I now, as we're thinking about these money minds, it really, really dovetails well into the happiness money mind. And is it just the happiness or it's also, what's the one, the one where you uh, want to take care of people? The commitment. Yeah, the commitment money mind. It's kind of a combination of both. So just went to a restaurant with my parents for the first time in over a year because of COVID. So my parents... Uh, did a great job of being careful with the COVID. Didn't go out to dinner for a whole year. My parents are born a day apart. They both just turned 82 over the weekend. My dad on Sunday, my mom on Monday. And so leading up to this, I said, mom and dad, uh, I know you hadn't been out to dinner. They got both their shots. They're you know doing great. They're feeling better about things. So I said, uh, what kind of restaurant, dad, do you want to go to? He goes, Ed, I haven't had good prime rib in a long time. I said, bang, let's Let's go to that really good steak place that's in St. Charles. So my parents live in St. Charles. That's where I grew up. And it was weird because we grew up and we never went to this restaurant. 
because it's actually kind of expensive and my parents just, you know, they don't go to those kind of restaurants. So I took them. Protection em, money, man. Yeah, I took a, uh, and they were just smart with their money when it came to that. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to take them to the special treat. So it, it makes me happy to one, cook for people, but also to have them have great experiences. So, uh, so I took them to this place called St. Charles Place in St. Charles. And it's funny because I didn't even realize how popular this place was out in the Western suburbs. But every time I mention it to people, people be like, oh yeah, I love that restaurant. That's one of my favorites or it is my favorite. So uh, we all had steak. My mom did have shrimp, but she thought it was great. And so the food there is great. I just recommend the restaurant unto itself. Uh, the only caveat is uh, make sure you know how to use the light feature on your phone, the flashlight feature, because my mom had to borrow my phone because she couldn't read the menu. It was a little dark in there for her. So. Dim ambiance, huh? Yeah. But all in all, it was awesome. I think my parents had a great meal. We had a great experience. My son hadn't been out, seen them in a while because of COVID, so he was with us. Really enjoyed it. Well, no, I, I think we all are very much looking forward to those times we can get out and about. Uh, that's that's coming soon, it sounds like, if not here already. So with all that being said, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. I have been slapped on my hand one too many times by my compliance attorney. This is to put me in good standing. This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice, and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.